0: Hello everybody, and welcome to my new podcast, Fight Talk with all So for this podcast, mostly I'll cover fights that happened this past weekend, kind of recap them, and talk about who the winners and losers should fight. I'll talk about the fights this come this upcoming weekend, and I'll talk about how those fighters can win their fights, who I think is going to win fight, who I think's going to win those fights, uh, and predictions. And then after I'll cover some uh, hot topics, some important topics that are talked about in MMA today. So. Let's go! This past weekend there was a fight for the Flyweight Championship. It was uh, between Joseph Benavidez and Davison Figueroa. It was the second time they fought and the first time there was a little bit of controversy. Cause Figueredo missed weight, so the only possible champion that could come from that fight was Joseph Benavidez. But he lost by second round knockout. Now there was also some controversy because Figueredo landed a headbutt, they clashed heads before but Figueredo knocked him out in the second round, so that fight was kind of a wash, no champion. But Figueredo still had the upper hand coming into this fight. So, coming into this fight, I kind of thought this is Joseph Benavidez's probably last shot at winning UFC gold. Uh, he's fought five times, four times before for a championship, and lost all four times, including WEC. He lost to Dominic Cruz once, Demetrius Johnson twice, and Figueredo. So, I'm thinking Joseph Benavides is kind of older. He's definitely not in his prime. He's facing a guy that's super athletic, that's a very good striker. Jo- Joseph Benavides is known for kind of leaving his head, op- his, uh, chin open and kind of leading in with his head. Uh, figured it was very quick, very athletic, strong for the division, big for the division. So, I kind of thought that uh, Davison would win. I, I would think it would be a knockout, but I didn't think it would be complete domination on this uh on the stand up and on the ground. I mean, it, it kind of brought me back to like Anderson Silva versus Forrest Griffin, like that beatdown, because this was not a competitive fight at all. Every time there was any striking exchange, Figueroa won all of them. I think Benavidez maybe landed one strike, <laughs> but uh, that strike didn't really matter too much. And when Figueroa got into the ground it was him taking his back and being much more active than Benavidez uh, locking up like three rear naked chokes I think just uh, Benavidez was out of it and couldn't really fight the hands too much and he got knocked down like two three times and ultimately at the end of the round Benavidez being as tough as he is didn't tap out but went unconscious and ultimately lost the fight now in a different world maybe Benavidez wins this fight if he's in his prime uh maybe he wrestles him better maybe he doesn't leave his head open but there's a real thing that's called uh someone that will never win a championship there's just some guys that for some reason they're incapable of winning championships i mean this is across all sports you think of guys like steve nash or charles barkley uh other names i can't think of right now but guys that are really really good but when the big lights come on in the championship, they just fold. I mean, Donald Cerrone is a good example of this too. Really, really good in fights that don't matter, but fights that matter when everyone's watching. It's just they're a bit slower. They're, uh, um, they just can't fight how they usually do, and that's kind of how it is for Benavides. I was rooting for him because I like Benavides. He's a good dude, but, uh. It's just not in the cards for him to win a championship, especially now since he's older. And I'm kind of surprised he didn't retire. He's taken a lot of hits. Even though it's flywood division, I mean, he's been knocked out a couple times. Hasn't looked good in his last couple of fights. Yeah, he can beat these upcoming guys and still stay in the division. He's not a washed-up fighter, but you got to really think. Do you just want to stay in the UFC and just fight these guys that couldn't hold your jockstrap a couple years ago? Or do you want to, like, retire and chill and uh, do other things? Because he could do other things. I mean, he's really into fashion. Uh, his wife is uh, Megan O'Levy. Like, she's getting income from the UFC. I feel like he could just retire and do pretty well for himself. But it's a, it's a tough thing for UFC fighters to retire, as we see, because fighting is such a, like, a cool thing to do, you know. You're, you're going to a cage and fighting someone. And you're supposed to leave that to do like a simple job or just chill i mean it's it's kind of hard it's kind of like a military guy coming home and trying to do normal stuff like it's very very difficult once you like uh do a job like that so i don't know if i if i was in his corner i would be like there's not much more to fight for bro i'd probably retire but you can't tell anybody how to live their life and if he wants to keep fighting that's fine Uh, I don't know how long the Flywood division will be around. I guess Figueredo's a pretty young guy. And he can uh, hold that division strong. He's a pretty exciting dude. So, if he wants to stick around, maybe he can fight someone like Kai kara France. Uh, He's an upcoming guy. I think he's off two wins now. And he's kind of in that top ten in that mix. Uh, Pretty exciting fighter. and I'd be interested to see that fight. But, uh, I, I wouldn't be mad if he retired, because I feel like I've seen enough of Benavides. He's fought pretty much everybody. And for Figueiredo, uh, this guy's really good. He's uh, like a true mixed martial artist. He's very good on, on the feet. Really quick, strong. Uh, good movement. Good defense. Uh, very good timing. And he's really active on the ground. He doesn't just kind of like lay and pray. He... Uh, he's always active, he's always looking for submissions, he's always looking for things to do. So I would be interested to see him fight someone like a Cody Garbrandt to get his name out there more, and Cody said that he'd be cool with moving down to 125 to fight him, and I feel like Cody's uh, a small enough dude to where he could go to 125 if he wants to do that, because he, doesn't, he, he might not see uh, a chance to get a title shot quickly at 135, he'd probably have to win. One more fight against Marlon. So if he wants to go down and possibly win another championship, he could uh, do that, and that would be a great fight to watch. That'd be that would headline a card easily, and I would love to watch that fight, or be a co-main of like a big stat card. But if that do- that fight doesn't materialize, uh, I'm looking at someone called Brandon Moreno. He's a pretty young guy. He's off two wins. I think he beat Formiga, juicier Formiga, and some other guy I can't think of right now. But he's a good uh, up-and-comer. He was on looking for a fight with Dana White. He's got some clout behind him. Uh, he knows Henry Cejudo. He's trained with him before. I might cut out for some reason. I don't know why. But uh, as I was saying... He trains with Henry Cejudo, so he's got that under his belt. He seems like a pretty mature fighter for his age. And he's known for uh, getting upsets, so maybe he could uh, upset Figueredo. I think it'd be a tough fight for him, but it'd be, it'd be interesting to see. Because the issue with the Flywood division is the reason people want to see Cody Garbrandt move down is because there's literally nobody in the Flywood division that like people really care about that much. Ever since Henry left... Uh, that whole TJ thing, and Demetrius left, and now uh, Benavidez, even though he's, he's not a huge draw, he's probably not going to be fighting for too much longer. I mean, the Flyweight division is, it's not the most exciting division, they're very, very technical, but they don't have the best personalities, They're not there's not a lot of guys that are knockout artists, which people want to see, so I don't really know, like, what the UFC wants to do with that division. I think plants kind of went array when Henry Cejudo beat TJ Dillashaw and then he was kind of dubbed this double champ, but then he left. So now it's kind of in a weird way where I think the UFC wanted Benavides to win low-key, but maybe having Figueredo win is the better thing because he's actually a pretty exciting guy, but I, I just feel like is very good, but like his opposition needs to be a little more well-known. Because you're only as good as the people that you're fighting, and you're only as talented talented as the people that you're fighting. Like, Conor McGregor needed uh, Nate Diaz. Habib needed a Conor McGregor. Israel Adesanya needs, like, a Paulo Costa or, like, a Darren Till. Whitaker, these these, uh, guys that are really well-known, you know, to keep them uh, well-known as well, because that's how people care, you know. If you're just fighting these, uh, not shitty fighters, but fighters that people don't care about and you're beating them, uh, people are going to stop carrying pretty quick. But uh, we'll move on to the next fight with that. So this one kind of bums me out because although I try to not be biased in MMA and just kind of look at it from like an analyst point of view, I do have my fan favorites, and one of those guys is Kelvin Gastelum. And unfortunately, as we all saw last weekend, he lost in a pretty rough way. Not domination, but uh, first-minute submission to Jack Hermanson. Uh, Kelvin is, I think he's lost four of his last six fights, uh, and he's lost his last three fights. He lost to Israel by, a decision, one of the best fights ever, uh, very close fight. Then he lost to Darren Till, uh, just for some reason could not figure out Darren Till. Darren Till fought really, really well that fight, um, and now he just fucked up against Jack Hermanson. I said that the only way that Kelvin would lose this fight if he's if it, is if it got into grappling exchanges early on, because when you get into like grappling exchanges early on, people are very dry, so so it's like easier to lock up submissions rather than when uh, they're sweaty in like the third rounds, third round or fourth round, then it's a little tougher to like grab onto submissions. So uh, as as we saw. Jack Ramanson got a hold of that ankle and got the heel hook in and those leg locks are tough man Uh, Kelvin's a really tough dude so he didn't want to tap and if it was like a different submission he probably would have gotten out of it like a like a choke or like an arm bar or whatever but leg locks you gotta tap out quick or your ACL's going bye-bye but uh, I'm just confused why Kelvin he did do a good throw and he had an opportunity to get up, but for some reason, he was trying to stay in guard. And against a bigger guy like that, and a great grappler in Jack Hermanson, I just don't understand why you want to stay on the on the feet. Like, Hermanson isn't a slouch on the feet, but you gotta think about your wind condition, you know? So I'm a little confused why Kelvin kept it on the ground, and and, and he saw that Hermanson was going for Legatox attacks immediately, so I'm, I'm a little confused why Kelvin fought that way, but I don't know, man, I, I don't really like seeing Kelvin at 185, I feel like, yeah, he's gotten some wins there, but, like, his only wins are against, like, Michael Bisping, Jacare, uh, like, Vitor Belfort, Tim Kennedy, like, I don't, I don't think he can beat these guys, like, these big dudes, like Israel Adesanya, and, like, uh, fucking Darren Till, you know, these these big dudes, I would rather him go to 170 and fight guys where I think it's better matchups for him, like, I would love to see him against, like, Leon Edwards, or, like, uh, even, like, e- even if it's too early to say, like, I think him and Usman would be a cool fight, him and Jorge would be a cool fight, you know, I, I don't, I know they're friends, but I'm just, uh, theory crafting right now, um, yeah, I feel like for Gaslam, we should probably go to 170. Uh, fight someone like a Vicente Luque, maybe like Michael Chiesa, but probably Vicente Luque. that would be a fireworks fight. I mean, uh, Gaslam has never given me a, a bad fight, a boring fight to watch. I love that dude. I always root for him. I wish I I I know there's gonna be one day where this man has a belt around his waist. I just feel like he's so talented, but just for some reason, he just makes these mistakes, man. And it's like, the dude has so much talent, but sometimes he'd be doing the dumbest shit. And it's just really annoying, you know? And I just feel like if he's a little more disciplined, because I know he's not the most disciplined person, like he's not super disciplined in training, but he's very, very good on fight night most of the time. But as we see those issues that, you don't address in training, kind of make you dumber in the fight. And that gets seen. Like, sometimes um, you get those knockout wins and you dominate people, like you did against Michael Bisping. But, you know, sometimes you, you fuck up and you lose to guys like Jack Hermanson or you're overconfident against the guy like Darren Till, you know? And I just feel like on 70s best friend, I think he can make the weight easily. These guys are like, they seem like they're two weight classes bigger than him. So I just feel like if he's a little more disciplined, and he moves down to 170, he could definitely contend for a championship, and he could uh, make that weight class even better than it already is. But, if he wants to fight at 185, maybe he could fight someone like uh, Uriah Hall, have a second fight there. Um... Edmund Shabazian, maybe. I, I know he's fighting Derek Brunson, but that'd be a cool fight, I guess. But biasly, I biasly, uh, I want him to go down to 170. I think that'd be the best move for him. But he can do whatever he wants. I'll still root for him. And then for Jack Hermanson, uh, he's he's actually done pretty well. He, the only loss he had is against Jared Cannonier, uh, recently. And... I mean, that's nothing to hang your head about. Uh, Jerry County is a great fighter, a uh, former heavyweight, so he's a pretty big dude. Uh, I think Jack Hermanson should probably fight the loser of Whitaker, Darren Till, because I feel like whoever wins that fight should probably uh, go for the belt. So, you know, both of those fights would be cool to watch. Hermanson against Till would be awesome. Hermanson against Whitaker would be awesome. I'm, I'm a huge fan of Hermanson as well. But it just bummed me out to see him beat Kelvin uh, to be honest. <laughs> but, Kudos to him, man. He he fought really well, and he did what he needed to do to win. Got in those early grappling exchanges and beat Calvin Gaslam fair and square. No controversy. All right. So that recap is over. Now I'm going to talk about Robert Rutiger versus uh, Darren Till. That card, I'm going to talk about three fights. I'm going to talk about Gustafsson versus Verdum. Uh, Mauricio Shogunhua versus uh, Little Nog, or his actual name is... Antonio Rogerio Nogueira, I think. Uh, big Nogs that's why they call him Little Nog. And then I'll talk about Robert Whitaker versus Jaron Till. So for the first fight, it's Alex Gustafsson making his debut at heavyweight against uh, a heavyweight legend, Fabrizio Werdum. So this fight, um, watching Werdum's performance against Alexi Oleinik, it'd be tough to say that he would beat uh, Alex Gustafsson, uh, Fabrizio's got that dad bod going, and I, I don't know if he doesn't work out or something, but he hasn't looked himself in the last like thirty, forty UFC cards. the The last time he looked good was like when he beat Kane Velasquez at like UFC one eighty eight or whatever, whenever the hell that was. Um, yeah, I don't I don't know if he's just undisciplined and if he doesn't feel like fighting anymore, but I just feel like Fabrizio's never been known for like wrestling guys and getting them to the ground he's more of like uh pulling guard kind of getting there by going up against the cage and pulling guard like grabbing them and then getting them into his guard or having guys take him down and then getting him with guillotines or or whatever but uh i just i just don't see how that happens this fight i feel like alex has a good enough takedown defense to keep it on the feet and just use his boxing. Uh, Fabricio Werdum is definitely not going to win a striking match against Alexander Gustafsson. And if that happens, uh, Alex should definitely retire from UFC. <laughs> uh, Gustafsson's always been known as a guy that's like one of the best fighters ever, but never won a championship in a different world. Without John Jones and Daniel Cormier, he would be a champion for sure. He, the guy has phenomenal boxing, like professional boxing level. And great, great wrestling. Uh, Training with Phil Davis, like he took John Jones down. Like Nobody does that. So I feel like uh, this move will be good for him. Uh, he's not going to have to worry about a weight cut. He's uh, and, and one thing with Gustafsson is I, I feel like the lights have always gotten to him a little bit. Like having people in the crowd, he's always put a lot of pressure on himself. So I feel like if anybody's going to do well without any people watching, it's going to be Alexander Gustafsson. He can just go on there and and it'll be like a sparring match because you you hear all all these stories about Alexander Gustafsson being ridiculous and sparring like uh, outboxing professional boxers, you know. So uh, for this time, I feel like Gustafsson capitalized on this COVID pandemic and he sees that nobody's nobody's live watching the fights and I think this is going to be pretty much domination by uh, Gustafsson. I think he's just going to pick Fabrizio apart. I don't know if it'll be a quick knockout in the first round, but it'll probably be like a built-up thing. Gustafsson isn't known for like one-punch knockouts, but it'll be probably built up. Like, I'm thinking a second or third round knockout. Maybe doom could uh, make the scorecards and make it a decision fight, but if it was a decision fight, it'd probably be an easy uh, sweep for Gustafsson. I don't really see how Fabrizio wins, but I could be wrong. Who knows? But if I had to go with the prediction... it would be Gustafsson by second-round TKO. And if Fabrizio wins, the only way he would win would be probably by somehow getting Alex to the ground, maybe getting him to his guard, and then uh, shooting up a triangle or an armbar or a guillotine and and submitting him. But uh, we'll see. I feel like that won't happen. And then to the next fight, you got Mauricio Shogunhua versus... Antonio Rogerio Noguera. Uh, I, would, <laughs> I would be excited about this fight if it was 2005. These guys are a little past their prime, in my opinion, and in the opinion of everybody else watching MMA. Uh, these guys are definitely legends, but I'm a little confused whether the Comian event over Gustafsson. Uh, Gustafsson and Werdum aren't the youngest guys either, but uh, these guys are a little more weathered, they got a little, a lot more miles on him, but I mean, I guess Shogun, he is winning fights. I mean, he's like what four, four wins, one loss, one draw in his last uh, six. So that's not bad. I mean, he knocked out Tyson Pedro, and Tyson Pedro's is an upcoming guy. But uh, Little Nog, I think he said he's gonna retire after this fight, and he's two and two of his, of his, in his last four fights, all of them coming from knockouts. So. I mean, this will probably be, a, a, like, a fun fight. It'll it'll be two old guys just slugging it, trying to knock each other out. So, if that's what you want to watch, I mean, be my guest. But, uh, I, I would say probably Shogun wins by, like, a third round knockout. But, uh, I'm, I'm not really looking forward to this fight. Like I said, if it was 2005, I'd be happy about it, but, like, I could care less. It doesn't really have a lot of implications for the division. But, uh so be it. <laughs> and then for the main event, you got Robert Whittaker and Darren Till. Robert Whittaker coming off a loss to Israel Adesanya, said he was a little burnt out, needed a, needed, a, needed a break from MMA. Now he's coming back this Saturday to fight Darren Till, who's an upcoming guy, he just came to the middleweight division, beat Kelvin Gastelum cleanly. So this this fight's really tough. There's a lot of... A lot to unpack here, a lot of ways that both guys could win. So one issue that I saw with Whitaker against Israel was how he lunged in, how he tried to get into the striking exchanges. Um, he he kinda just went in head first and kinda tried to blitz Israel. But Israel and and he got Israel a couple of times. He he got a couple of good hits on him, you know, a couple of good kicks on him, you know. But Eventually, Israel is such a good striker that he's going to catch you coming in. And I felt like he fought that fight very, very poorly. I as well think that uh, Israel and Darren Till have a similar frame. Like, very, very tall guys. Well, like, Israel's taller than Darren Till by, like, two two inches, I think. But uh, they fight pretty similarly. So I would say that Um, the way for Whitaker to win this fight would be not to lunge in, probably use leg kicks to slow down Till because Till uses heavy heavy movement around the fight, you know, so if you slow Till down, it's going to make his defense a little worse. Uh, Cutting off the ring, this is something that Kelvin didn't do a good job of uh, because in the Till fight, what what Till did very good is he went to his left, which is the opposite of Kelvin's... uh, power side and someone's power side is like so if i'm a southpaw and my power my power strike is my left hand because i'm using my whole body and uh that's like my power hit like the conor mcgregor his left hand is his that's his power side so you want to circle away from that side because if you circle into it it uh creates more opportunities for you to get hit by it so tilt did a very good job of moving away from Kelvin's power side And he also did a good job of whenever Kelvin was trying to get inside and kind of dirty box him, he would clinch up with Kelvin, get him against the cage, and then separate. And then just keep moving around laterally, side to side, uh, away from Kelvin's power side, and implement good leg kicks and good boxing combinations and go into Kelvin's body. So that kind of flustered Kelvin. He didn't really know what to do because he couldn't get a good shot on him. He couldn't land any left hands, which is Kelvin's, like, power shot. That's, like, his Deontay Wilder right hand. You know, that's that's what uh, could finish a fight real quick. And he knew that he, he probably felt that he would knock out Till because Till's already been knocked out twice before that. So he's like, oh, I'm just going to do the same. He, he thinks he can go up in weight. Uh, there's a lot of power in this weight class. But uh, Till did a very good job of fighting that fight. And I feel like he can do a, a similar thing in the Whitaker fight uh, as long as he keeps the fight at a distance uh, keeps moving doesn't get uh, leg kicked or or one thing that a Whitaker does well is he like doesn't ob- oblique kick kind of but it's it's not a, it's not like a John Jones oblique kick it's kinda like a side oblique kick almost I don't know what it's called but he like he kicks your knee so uh, it slows your movement down so if if that happens that could be an issue for Darren Till, because one of one of Darren Till's biggest issues that got him to get knocked out two times viciously by Ter- Tyron Woodley and uh, Jorge Masvidal. Well, not knocked out in the Tyron Woodley fight, but knocked down and got hurt really bad. Uh, it, was, it was because uh, his striking defense was pretty poor. He would uh, try to dodge hits by moving his body back instead of his uh, feet back, so... If you move your body back, someone can feint a hit, like someone can fake like they're hitting you, and then they can step inside and hit you uh, actually, and then you're at a disadvantage because if you're moving with your body, if you're moving back with your body, you're in the same spot, but if you're moving back with your legs, uh, you get that distance control, and he can't hit you. So I feel like watching Darren Till's fight against Kelvin, he's learned from that. And he'll implement the same thing. The only thing that could be an issue is leg kicks. Um, and if he and if Whitaker cut off the ring, and c- kept Darren o- on the cage. Um, and I think Whitaker, if if he can get some good leg kicks in there, he can use good feints to kind of fake till out, kind of like what Jorge Masvidal did, uh, using good feints and switching up your stance and then getting him on the way in. But uh. Yeah, I would say Whitaker's full to victory are good leg kicks. Cutting off the ring, not lunging in like he used to, because that leaves him open to getting uh, hit by Darren Till. And Darren Till definitely has some power. And using good feints to get inside the fight and um, try to to knock Till out. Try to get a good hit on him. Uh, But for Darren Till, I would say heavy movement throughout the fight, keeping the fight at a distance, uh, clinching Whitaker when he gets close, if he, if he gets close, like he did with Kelvin. Um, and if um, if Whitaker lunges in, I would say that he should probably step back and look for that one-two that he's really known for. Because Darren Till has a really, really good one-two. And Darren Till can also implement some feints uh, in this fight to confuse Whitaker as well. But I think it's going to be a really really, really, really cool striking match. Uh, Whitaker probably has the wrestling advantage, but the issue is that Darren Till is such a big dude, it's going to be tough for him to take him down, and I don't really think the Whitaker is going to try to take him down. So with all that being said, who I think is going to win the fight, uh, if I had to put my money on it, I would probably say Darren Till wins by decision. And I think it's going to be a really close fight, but if I had to put money on it, I would say Darren Till by decision he's also an underdog, so think about that when you're betting. Uh, I rarely vote on the person that's the favorite because you're going to get less money from it. But this is kind of a toss-up fight. It's pretty close. It's not like he's not a 3-to-1 underdog or anything. I think it's like plus 120 or something. Uh, But yeah, pretty pretty close fight. I feel like this is a really, really important fight and it's kind of being underlooked for some reason. But I can't wait to watch this fight this Saturday. I'm really excited for it. So, now that we cover that, we can move on to some important hot topics in MMA today, things people are talking about. And this one is mostly going to center around the middleweight division. So, a big announcement earlier this week was the announcement of Israel Adesanya and Paulo Costa fighting in September. So, they got the September pay per view. Uh, I think it's 253, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I think it's 253. And uh, this fight actually got announced too early, uh, Dana White said. It wasn't planned to be announced because both sides, I guess, maybe didn't sign their contract, but, I mean, it seems like both of them are ready to fight September, so I don't really see an issue. Uh, Dana White doesn't really like when things are announced, that he doesn't 100% confirm, so there could be some issues there. People have been fired, like Errol Helwani was fired for revealing that Brock Lesnar was going to fight at UFC 200, because uh, Dino White wanted that to be a surprise. But uh, I don't really see an issue. I don't think anybody should be fired for it. I mean, I don't think it's that big of a deal to announce this. I mean, it, it was already kind of speculated. It's not a huge surprise to anybody that this fight's going on. Uh, it was cool to see that it was actually announced, though, and that we're going to get this fight in September. It's going to be a really, really fun fight to watch. It's not going to be uh, this news fest that people didn't like with Yola Romero and Israel Adesanya. So, uh, yeah, it's going to be a fun fight to watch. And uh, I don't know where it's happening. I think maybe Las Vegas. I could be wrong, though. It could be in Abu Dhabi. uh, Because both guys are from foreign countries, so maybe Abu Dhabi would be better for them. But who knows? We'll figure that out in September. Who knows uh, how long this is all going to last. But, yep, that's a cool announcement. Uh, They get that September pay-per-view. So I'm thinking October, maybe Habib could fight Justin Gaethje. But... Obviously, Habib's dad passed away uh, earlier this month, so I don't know when he's going to be ready. But uh, it, w- it would be cool to see him fight in October. But if not him, then maybe Jon Jones and Dominic Reyes could fight in the Apex. Mm, and I don't really know who else could fight. Maybe like Whaley Li Zhang or Ioana. I don't know if they want if they could headline a card. But uh, yeah, a lot of possibilities for that October pay-per-view. Pay per view, and I'm looking forward to see who's gonna get that one. Okay, next topic: Should Whitaker versus Darren Till be the number one contender match? Um, I I would say yes for this one, although I like Jared Cannonier and I wouldn't mind him seeing, wouldn't mind him having a UFC title fight. I feel like the timing, uh, timing is everything, and it's gonna be tough to say who should get that number one contender spot because what if Darren Till just dominates? Robert Whitaker uh, on Saturday night and he, and he just creates this big case about him fighting Israel out of sight and people are going to want to watch him fight Israel over someone like Jared Cannonier who people don't know about that much. Uh, what if Robert Whitaker just destroys Darren Till and uh, has a good post-fight interview? Maybe he could get the fight against Israel. And uh, obviously you start to see who wins that fight in September uh, with the UFC, it's all about timing with title fights, in my opinion. Cause uh, yeah, Jer- you know, someone could fall out. Jared Cannonier could get get in that title f- title fight, and then maybe win. It's just it's tough to say who really deserves the number one contender spot. Uh, but if Darren Till wins, I feel like he really does deserve it because especially if he outclasses Robert Whitaker, because he that mean that that would then mean that he outclassed Kelvin Gastelum and Robert Whitaker, both really really good fighters. One guy, former champion, just of uh, last year. And you got to think about these matchups. Like, Darren Till versus Israel Israel Adesanya would be a sick matchup. Both long fighters, both strikers. Darren Till's a southpaw. How is Israel going to deal with that? Both guys talk shit. So, that's going to hype the crowd up. People know who Darren Till is. He's got a whole country behind his back. He's a young guy. uh, Getting that revenge from losing... Two times in the welterweight division, going up at weight class. So yeah, I, I think that would probably be the fight to make. Uh, w- if Whitaker wins and it's kind of a close fight, then I, I would probably want Jared to to fight Israel. Uh, because I I, on- I honestly do think Israel's going to beat Paulo Costa. So just like let's talk in theory if Israel wins, uh, let's just say Israel wins that fight. I would rather see Jared Cannonier against Israel than Whitaker, because I feel like I already know how that uh, Robert Whitaker fight's going to go. Maybe he could win, like maybe one out of ten times he'll beat Israel, but I just feel like overall Israel possesses more tools to beat Robert. Yeah, Robert did say that he has made a lot of changes. He's gotten better in all aspects of MMA, but I don't know. I I feel like Israel's improving as well, and just the way Robert fought that first fight, man, it's just not a good matchup for him. It's, it's the ri- the ri- reach difference is uh, a huge problem. I think if Whitaker fought him again, he'd probably try to wrestle him, but people don't understand that Israel Adesanya's wrestling defense is super fucking good. So I would rather have someone like a Jared Kennanier, who is a former heavyweight fighter, a huge middleweight. I don't know how he makes the weight class, but he's huge. And I would like to see how he tries to maybe wrestle uh Israel and he also does pack a punch. So maybe in those close quarters in the clinch he could break off the clinch and get Israel with a good shot and maybe knock him out. I mean he's knocked out David Branch, Anderson Silva with leg kicks, which I would like to see him maybe leg kick Israel out of And he also knocked out Jack Ramanson. So I think Jerry Cannonier uh I would like him to fight Israel If Whitaker wins this fight. And I know it sucks for Whitaker. I love Whitaker. I'm a big fan of the guy. I think he's just... uh, Has super positive energy. He's a very, very good image of the sport. He doesn't talk shit. He just goes in there and fights. And it's always a fun fight with him. But you just gotta think. he, He probably isn't gonna beat someone like Israel Adesanya. He'll probably beat someone like Apollo Costa. But I just don't see him beating Israel. All right. With the next topic, this is just one that I kind of want to talk about. It's not, like, being covered, like, right now in MMA that much, but I just want to talk about it, put some spotlight on these guys. And this topic is about underrated, slept on, possible UFC championship contenders. Now, this isn't saying that they're going to be championship contenders next week or in four or five years. I'm just kind of throwing it out there. These are guys that whenever they fight, I'm always looking at them and thinking that they're going to win their fight and uh i just want the ufc to like bring a little more inte- yeah like i was saying i would just like the ufc to bring a little more attention to these guys and kind of l- i just want them to see what i kind of see in them so i just want to give them a little uh love and show them some respect uh jeff neal's the first guy i want to talk about so jeff neal he's a top 10 lightweight contender he just knocked down mike perry uh, he ju- he beat Nico Price. Uh, I like this guy a lot. I think he has really really technical boxing. Um, I think he's a super super fun fighter to watch. I think people are gonna love uh, love watching him in the future. He's only, he's like in his mid to late twenties I think. And an interesting story about this guy. He uh, is actually a waiter at a like a grill house or something because he doesn't have that much money to provide for himself like. It's kind of crazy to think that a top 10 guy in the best weight class in the UFC has to work a side job to make ends meet, you know? It kind of tells you a lot about, like, the finances of the UFC and how much they pay fighters. I mean, maybe he's fucking up, too, with his finances. I don't know the whole story, but it's just kind of crazy because you think of another sport like football. The top 10 cornerback or the top 10 in any position, like, they're chilling. They can just play football and they're good, you know? Obviously, football's more popular than MMA, and it gets more money, and it's a more well-developed sport, so finances are more concrete and figured out, but it's just kind of crazy to think that this guy has to work a side job, but aside from that, whatever, he is a really good fighter, really, really good boxing, um, super, super tactical, really, really good at counterpunching, really, really good timing, uh, good use of kicks. I haven't seen him grapple that much, but I I believe he was a like he wrestled in like, college maybe I'm not sure I could I could have maybe mistaken that but looking at him he definitely passes the eye test and I would like to see him get a big step up in competition because I feel like he's ready I feel like he's beaten those those like mid level guys in his division like a Muhammad, Nico Price, Mike Perry and I feel like he's ready for those big names. Like, I would love to see him fight someone like... Let me see here. Uh... Who could he fight? Where is he? Let me see. Oh, he's in the welterweight division. Never mind. But still, welterweight division is, like, maybe the best division as well. The top three division easily. I would, like to, I would like to see him fight someone like an RDA. A, that would be a cool striking match, man. Or, like, him against, uh... I don't know, like, a Damian Maya. How is he gonna deal with that grappling? Maybe, like... Michael Chiesa, how is he going to deal with uh, Michael Michael Chiesa's grappling and good striking, you know? Uh, A lot of things for Jeff Neal to think about and a lot of opportunities for him, man. And I think in a couple years, this guy could be a a huge threat to whoever's the champion then. Uh, The next guy I want to talk about is Jared Cannonier. Just kind of covered him with the whole Whitaker versus Till, who's going to be number one contender with that. But I think Jared Cannonier has really slept on. He's not really talked about a lot. He did just get injured, which doesn't make his case any better for being champ or for being number one contender but i think he possesses really really good wrestling with uh very very good uh striking and like a lot of power between the strikes because you gotta think this guy fought at heavyweight and knocked a guy out and now he's fighting at middleweight and he's fighting against guys that like some of them are natural middleweights, but some of them maybe moved up to middleweight. Like, this guy's the biggest middleweight in the division. He's really good uh, wrestling. Very, very, very good wrestling defense. A lot of power behind his shots. Good in the clinch. Very good leg kicks. And he's uh, training at an MMA Lab, I believe. Or is it Factory X? I'm not sure. I think it's MMA Lab, though. And he seems like he's got a really good training staff behind him, and... I really, I really fuck with this guy, I think he's uh, a super hard worker, he tra- he seems like he trains really well, trains really hard, uh, and, and if you look at his record, it's a little, it's not the best record to look at, he has like 4 losses and like 14 wins I think, 15 wins, but as we know in, in MMA, the records don't matter as so much as it does in boxing, because there's so many variables that come into play, like this guy was a heavyweight at one point, a light heavyweight at one point, you know. He's fighting these huge guys, so it's gonna be tough for him to fight in that weight class. And luckily for him, he's finally found his home at middleweight, and it doesn't seem like the cut is that big of a deal for him. And he's in really good shape. Uh, I, I'm excited. I would be excited to see him fight a guy like Israel Adesanya. But if not him, I I would also like to see him fight a guy like Yol Rold. That'd be fucking sick. But uh, yeah. And then the next guy is Leon Edwards. So I've ha- I've had my eye on Leon Edwards for a while, ever since he fought like Bar- Brian Barb like Brian Barberina I think, or was it Brian Barberina? Uh, maybe it was like Peter Sabro Sabrota or like those l- like mid-level guys, you know? Uh, his, and then he beat Donald Cerrone, then he beat Gunnar Nelson, then he beat RDA, and he's not just beating these guys like it's not close fights like he is surgically beating them man, and he's on he's in his late twenties. Uh, I love his boxing, I, I love that he's a true martial artist, and his fight IQ for being a young dude is really, really high. Uh, for some reason, people don't uh, like him, I mean, he's not the best shit-talker, but he, he tries to shit-talk, but it's not it's not very good. But aside from all that, I don't really care about all that, I just kind of care about what he does in the cage, and he's a, he... Uh, M- m- impresses me more and more every single fight, and it kind of sucks that he didn't get that Tyron Woodley fight, because in a different world, let's say he gets that Tyron Woodley fight, he probably does the same thing that Gilbert Burns did, maybe more effectively, maybe knocks out Tyron Woodley, and then he fights Usman in July, like that could definitely happen, like it's it's stuff like that in the UFC, it's so quick, you know, Gilbert Burns, nobody knew him, but then he beat Tyron Woodley, and he gets that title shot, you know, and obviously he got COVID so he not fight, but in a different role, Leon Edwards could, could have been fighting for that uh, championship two weeks ago, and I feel like he's ready, man. I feel like he's fought a lot of guys. The way he fights, it seems championship level, really, really good boxing, uh, good kickboxing, good in the clinch, and what I love about him is he doesn't fight statically. Like, he doesn't fight the same way against every single person. If he's fighting Tyron Woodley, He's not gonna fight the same as he does Wonder Boy, or the same he, as he does against Usman. The same he does as against Colby. He's always gonna switch up his fighting style, to who he fights. Kind of like Henry Cejudo. Like Henry Cejudo, he's a great wrestler, but he's not just going in there and wrestling, guys. You know, 'cause he's he's a, a true martial artist. That does that? Like not everybody can be like Habib and just take everybody down and maul them and destroy them. Leon Edwards is really has really gri- uh, good fighting iq and he knows what he needs to do to win every single fight and it's always an exciting fight for me to watch i just love his technical prowess uh the fact that he doesn't get in these barn burner fights i mean that's fine like he's he's a super technical guy and i love watching him fight so i really hope that he fights gilbert burns for the number one contender fight and then he fights usman by the end of this year maybe like december i would like to see that a a lot i would Love to see that fight. And those are two guys that, uh, although it would be awful shit-talking, <laughs> it would be an interesting fight. And I feel like if anybody has a shot to beat Usman right now, it would probably be Leon Edwards. I feel like he would have the best shot. Because if he could uh, defend Usman's takedowns, which I think he could, because he's, def- he's, a, he's a 170. Like, Masvidal is a, a smaller than... Leon Edwards, like he he's fighting at 155, but Leon Edwards is a true 170. Although Usman's bigger than him, I feel like uh, he would he wouldn't let Usman get him on the cage, and Leon Edwards has also really good cardio. So I would like to, I would like to see him uh, fight off those takedowns, and he would definitely win the striking exchanges against Usman. He's already lost him before, but that was a while back, like six years ago, or six five six years ago, or something like that, and they were both completely different fighters at that time. So, I would love to watch that fight. And then, uh, these next two, I don't think they should get fights, title fights immediately. But, uh, one guy is 21 years old, and the other guy is 22 years old. The 21-year-old I'm talking about is Arman Sarayukin. He fought last weekend. Uh, I don't know the name of the gentleman he fought, but... He, it wasn't a step, step up in competition, but the guy was pretty good. But uh who the fuck was it? I, I gotta figure this out. It's gonna kill me if I don't know. Let's see. Just one second here, I'm gonna figure this out real quick. Uh Davy Ramos. Okay, Davy Ramos, he's a legit fighter. But you you look at this guy Armand Saryukin, he's actually twenty three. Um he's from he's an Armenian, uh really good really, really good wrestler. His debut was against Islam Makachev, which is a tough fucking debut to have. But this guy, he fights very maturely, like, really, really good wrestling. I like the way uh, he mixes up his strikes with his wrestling. Uh, He seems very mature uh, for his uh, age. Usually guys like 23 or 22. They specialize in one thing, like they're a good striker or they're a good wrestler, and they kind of rely on that. This guy seems like a fully decorated mixed martial artist at the age of 23. And there's a lot of young guys that get a lot of clout in the UFC, but this guy for some reason doesn't. And I think it's probably because he doesn't have these crazy flash knockouts like a Sean O'Malley. But this guy's a very good fighter, man. And I, think I, I feel like he deserves a little more credit than he gets. He's in the lightweight division. And I would definitely keep an eye on this guy whenever he's fighting. The next guy I'm talking about is Edmund Shabazian. 22 years old. He is a primarily a striker. Fighting at a Glendale fighting club with Edmund Tarverdian. Oof. Edmund Tarverdian is not the best trainer, but... Shit, he's going to win, so he could be no, he could be doing something good. Um, 11-0, 9 knockouts. Just beat Brad Tavares, who's a good fighter as well. Beat Jack Marshman, Charles Bird. He hasn't beaten anybody crazy, but I think he's fighting Derek Brunson in like two weeks. Not like this Saturday, but the Saturday after. Or maybe the Saturday after that, I'm not sure. But he's fighting Derek Brunson, which is a good test for people to see. If you really want to know about this Edmund Shabazzin guy, I would tune into that fight and see how he deals with Derek Brunson's uh, aggressiveness and his wrestling. Because uh, this guy kind of reminds me of Israel Adesanya, the way he fights. Very good striking, super dynamic. So I would, uh, I would keep my eye on this guy. He's only 22 years old, so he's got a lot of fights to have before he gets a title shot, but we all know how the UFC does it. They see a guy that gets a couple knockouts, fans like him, and they just give him a title shot. I hope that doesn't happen to him, but you never know. He seems like he's a good fighter, so maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he is going to (coughs) be champ in like two, three years. Who knows? But he's a good striker. I don't know how good his wrestling is, but we'll find out when he fights Derek Brunson. But for 22 years old, man, he's doing pretty, pretty damn good. Okay, and then and the next guy is the last guy. how oh, this guy, he's he's pretty well known. I wouldn't say he's like underrated, but uh, it's Charles Oliveira. Charles Oliveira fought Kevin Lee. I think it was in March, if I'm not wrong. It was like the first first fight they had with no crowd and i knew charles Oliveira was good but i didn't know he, i didn't know he was this damn good he outstruck kevin lee really well super good boxing good kicks timing was good uh he had it, it was just like slick pun- it was slick boxing really good uh, defense and what i love about him is whenever he's in the grappling exchanges he's always looking for submissions and that makes sense because he holds the record for most submissions in UFC history and he's got some super super crafty grappling one of the best one of the best jiu-jitsu practitioners in the UFC you see a lot of good jiu-jitsu guys that they don't really use their jiu-jitsu constantly when they're on the ground uh, they kind of uh, they point fight and then if the s- submissions there they'll take it you know if the backs there they'll take it but this guy he's always uh, going for submission, sometimes it leaves them in bad spots, like against Kevin Lee, he was on the bottom for the mo- for the most part, which the judges don't like to see, uh, and that usually loses the, uses, loses you the round. But Charles Oliver is a very very exciting fighter to watch, man. I I fuck with this guy heavy, and I think him and Tony would be a cool matchup to see. Seeing those grappling exchanges on the ground, bro, the striking on the on the on the feet, like. Charles Oliveira, he's got a lot of fight he has a lot of fights but I've never seen him fight as good as he did against Kevin Lee, man. And Kevin Lee's no snout, no slouch. The way he locked up that guillotine against him when Kevin Lee was trying to take him down, bro. Charles Oliveira is super super high level. I would love to see him against anybody in the upper echelon of the lightweight division, whether it's Dustin Poirier, Dan Hooker, tony ferguson hell even conor mcgregor i know that's not gonna happen but that will be fucking sick to watch i'm not saying he's gonna be the next lightweight champ but i would love to see him against those uh upper echelon lightweight guys because i feel like he deserves that credit too he fought super well in his last fight and he's a he's a great uh guy for the sport man he's super exciting fighter like top five most exciting fighters in the ufc and that about covers everything that i wanted to say on the podcast I hope you guys enjoy my first episode. Many more to come. Peace out, y'all.